0: More than anything is just a horse that won't quit.
1: honor. There's no way he finishes. I owe him the
0: chance. Get up. I'm Tim Finley, and this is To Live with Honor. Chapter 12, The Pale Horse, Part 2 God is dead, and we have killed him. Who will wipe this blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? Friedrich Nietzsche
2: And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse,
0: Macbeth, Mask of the Red Death, the Bible. As ancient as civilization, the symbolic power of blood transcends culture and time. We breathe for the sake of our blood. Our heart beats for the sake of blood. Every single anatomical system in the human body is tied to our blood. Blood is what we are. Every human, and horse for that matter, Inherently and instinctively understands it. Life requires blood. So does death. I returned late Friday night from my brother Kyle's Army basic training graduation at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. I was exhausted. The previous months of deployment training, wedding, relationship, and personal growth had swirled a dust storm around our house that was finally beginning to settle. The wedding was done, the deployment was postponed. The docket for the foreseeable future was predictably empty. Missy and I had high hopes of spending that idle time idle. Look, my eyes were bloodshot from miles of dark highway. I know what's coming, and I've got nothing in the tank. You're gonna come in at six in the morning and ask me to do something or help with something or- I need your help with honor. I glanced at the clock on the table. It blinked the next minute past 2 a.m. I'm begging you. Please, I'm not mad. Just, I need sleep. Just once. Please, don't wake me up tomorrow for anything. I'll help you with whatever in the afternoon. Just no horses, no chores, no... I need your help with honor. Okay? Please. Okay. She conceded. I curled into bed next to my wife. I pulled her close and felt my heart beat against her back. I felt hers in my arms. I lingered there, adrift between dreams and reality. Serenity blanketed my thoughts. My cozy, comforting thoughts warmed me as I drifted away. This. This must be my reward. All this because I saved a horse named Honor. I saved him. May 12th, 2012, 7.04 AM. The bedroom door burst open. Missy exploded through the doorway, racing to grab a jacket with shaking hands. She darted around the room, grasping personal items, her footsteps pounding the floor heavier than petite sneakers should. I snapped awake. She would offer no apologies, and I wouldn't dare ask for any.
1: I need you to get up. I need your help with honor.
0: Emotion hid behind her terse words.
1: We have to take honor to the hospital.
0: I said nothing, but fell from the comfort of the pillow and onto the carpet. I snatched the clothes off the floor where they had been dropped the night before. The same clothes I spent the previous 24 hours driving in. Blue jeans and an old black t-shirt. A BDU uniform undershirt, my honor guard shirt. I thought nothing of it at the time, and threw it back over my head.
1: I'm gonna get him and the trailer ready. I need you to bring the truck around the back.
0: My senses collected, and I slowed to ask questions. Missy shouted.
1: Come on! We have to go now!
0: Honor injured himself once a week, every week, rain or shine. You could set the Navy Observatory clock to Honor's regularity with injury. I remained calm, understanding this was likely just another day in the life of Honor. We'd get him to the hospital, they would patch him up, and then we'd be on our way. Missy, I thought, was lost in her fanatical love for all things furry. I, as the supportive husband, though, would do my duty. Something, however, about her tone, a tremor of fear, like shackled panic, nudged me to move with urgency. I had never seen her that way. I began to worry. I bolted out the front door, Missy out the back. An opaque mist hung on the air too high to be fog, too low to be cloud. The morning sun struggled as dense, stagnant layers of sky choked out the light. The weight of the wet air bore down on every surface with melancholy wetness. Soupy sadness floated in stasis so that misting rain fell upwards as much as down. The mist muffled sound and no birds sang. I stood in the driveway, cutting my vision through the haze to the front paddock. It was empty. My gut curdled. Go! I spun around to the door of the truck and jumped into the cab. I jabbed the cold metal key into the steering column and the diesel rattled to life. I yanked the gear handle down and rubber spun on the wet concrete. Without removing my hand, I wrenched the handle again into drive and rammed all six wheels into the soft lawn that I'd spent months cultivating. Angry tires sawed through the grass. The massive machine roared across the backyard and through the gate into the middle paddock. For the first time, I saw Honor. A motionless statue standing next to the back gate. His head slouched and neck extended out in discomfort. His stillness reminded me of the filthy colt backed into the corner of an auction house stall. He made no reaction as I approached. I slowed. So did time. I searched him up and down from the cab window as I crept past him. I could see nothing wrong. I was confused. He was off. Something, everything was off, but... Nothing was. Then I saw it. Just as I pulled away, I noticed his hooves. Honor's hooves are black. But they weren't black. Honor's hooves were glossed over, painted thick, with a maroon hue. Blood. Malevolence shot through the mist, became the mist, mocking, jesting, and insulting. It celebrated at destroying something innocent. It cackled. I pulled around the barn to be met by an impatient wife waving wild hands at me. The diesel engine's turbo whistled with the addition of more gas, and I snaked around in front of the gooseneck trailer. Missy dropped the tailgate with a crash. In unspoken orchestration, I backed the truck up to the trailer while Missy affixed all the plugs and chains. Once in place, I scrambled back to crank the stand off the ground. Missy sprinted away to get honor. I spun the lift lever until the trailer slammed onto the hitch. My shoes clawed for grip on the slippery grass, racing to open the trailer door. God, I hope he loads. I flung the massive iron door open. I bounded onto the trailer, unlatching the dividers. Metal crashed against metal. The path for honor was clear. I had done all I could. A different woman came around the corner of the barn, then had darted away. This woman wasn't the rushed and pragmatic woman who came storming through the bedroom door. This version of my wife tiptoed over the blades of grass like they were her own fragile feelings. She ushered a three legged limping pony with Buddhist patience. The corners of her mouth curled down as she approached. Her emotions teetered on her expression as honor did on his legs. She said nothing only stared at me with eyes as heavy and drenched as the air around us. What she couldn't say, at the expense of unleashing her emotions, I could see in her escort. Honor dragged his front left leg lifelessly beneath him. Each excruciating pathetic hop forward pained him. She didn't have to say it. We were both thinking it. If Honor couldn't load, Honor would die. She inched him closer. I stood locked in horror as Honor's injury came into view. How the fuck did I not see? A flap of skin dangled from Honor's chest, roughly five or six inches in length. It dripped with thick, blackened blood. It shivered with every movement, soaked by blood as everything else was by the mist. The flag of skin only brought attention, though, to the atrocity of Honor's true injury. Where the vibrant bay colored skin once held taut, a gaping abyss now ripped Honor's chest wide open. Blood cascaded out and around the wound and down both legs, caking them in a solid sheen of maroon, almost identical to his natural color when wet. I noticed his painted hooves again. The hole, large enough to fit a baseball, split Honor's chest with pitch blackness, revealing neither the depth of his wound nor the evil inside it. Only hints of pink muscle remained visible, shredded chunks of proud flesh, uselessly flexing with every hobble. Honor weakened as he limped. His head hung lower and lower, his steps smaller and slower. I had nothing to offer. We helplessly watched Honor dying. Missy remained silent, inching him closer to the step up. I questioned if he would even have the strength to stand in the trailer long enough to make it to the hospital. She stepped into the trailer, lead rope in hand, urging the fading horse on the other end. Honor held like a mule, just as we feared. Missy broke her silence, her emotions trickling through.
1: Honor! "'Come on!'
0: She tugged, stretching his head forward against the line. Honor's feet remained planted at the entry as they had before he learned to load. I envisioned him collapsing right there at the doorstep of his salvation, one step from his survival. Rage lit my calmness ablaze. "'Get in!' My hands shook. Adrenaline and fear hold hands as they run through the body. "'This can't be it. This can't be the story.' Denial pulsed and throbbed in my temples. My legs quivered worse than Honor's as I digested the reality. This was death as I had never known it. A betrayal, a betrayal of providence. My faith eroded with every second Honor refused to take that one step that would save his life. How could fate engineer such a story and allow it to be erased so easily? I watched the blood drip. 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 Get in! Get in the damn trailer! Please! One step! Why? Drip. Drip. This isn't right! This isn't how I saved him! Drip. Drip. Nothing makes sense! He's dying! Jesus, he's dying! I'm going to watch it! Drip. Drip. Blood pooled under him. I can't fucking do anything! I can't save him! Helplessness ferments the soul. I stepped close to Honor's side and exploded. Fucking save yourself! yourself. It was the sound of a violent chemical reaction created by anger mixing with panic. As if it were the one marching command Honor was waiting for, he shook once in preparation, and on one good leg, hopped his front end onto the trailer. He shuffled and limped his hindquarters to the front of the trailer with no more coaxing required. Honor trailed blood onto the new shavings. I stood abashed, stupefied and confused. What the hell? What is happening? Tim! I snapped back and reset my mind to the matter at hand. While Missy affixed his lead, I latched the dividers and we both darted around to the cab. Oak Ridge Equine Hospital was a 45 minute drive in a car. In a truck pulling a trailer loaded with a dying family member, one as special as honor, the drive was an eternity. Each second expanded into a monstrous enemy. The weather closed in around us as we drove away. It felt like running in four feet of water. Inertia conspired against us, conspired with the mist. Each bit of acceleration required the longest, smoothest transition. Stops and slows were drawn out over miles. Light years. Years we didn't have. Seconds we didn't have. In blind silence, 15 feet behind us, something was dying. That something embodied more than a horse, and the horse embodied more than a name.
1: I came out to feed.
0: Missy tried to plug the dam with every word.
1: There's no telling how long he was out there like that, but I knew something was wrong, and the moment I opened that door, he whinnied like I'd never heard him before.
0: The dam broke. Tears rushed in a waterfall off her cheeks.
1: I could hear it in his voice. I knew he was in pain. It was awful. (laughs) And I ran out to see him. I guess he was playing with Ned over the fence, and he must have reared up, came down on the T-post. So much blood. He was so hurt and in so much pain. I don't know how he's alive.
0: Babe, he's going to be fine. I didn't believe it. Just focus on driving. Just get him there. Everything's going to be alright.
1: I can't open the door. I'll go get the vet. I can't do it. I can't open the door. Please do that for me.
0: I will. Just drive. He's going to be fine. By this point... I felt like I was lying. I knew what horrid scene might lurk behind the giant steel door, and I steadied my mind for it. Death, even in its ugliest forms, was something familiar. But the nearness made nothing about any of this familiar. Honor guards always maintain a distance. We pulled into the parking area outside Oak Ridge, an hour and fifteen minutes after we left the house. Without a word, Missy, who had called ahead, dashed out to meet the vet. She was collected by now. I lifted the latch and unlaced the safety chain. I looked to the lip of the step up, hoping not to see blood. It was clean. I pinned my eyes to the ground, shunning whatever image may appear. I pulled against the weight of the iron door. The hinges creaked and moaned with every slow inch. A memory flashed across my vision. I stood in the receiving room of Port Mortuary, wearing white gloves with blood seeping through the knuckles. My hands gripped a half-folded flag atop a gurney. The giant metal door to my left began to raise and the glaring sunlight poured in underneath it. I folded a flag every time that door opened and every flag was a broken, mangled husk. They were my men, men I couldn't save. I thought myself a fool. I clenched my teeth and lifted my gaze into the trailer. My heart stopped and I gasped for air. Honor stood. The next pound in my chest recharged my muscles and put color back in my face. I leapt into the trailer, ripping the dividers open. Come get him! As Missy rounded the corner with the vet, I watched the expression on her face. Her face ran the same gauntlet from utter denial to total belief as mine had just done. Missy backed on or off the trailer and inched his aching body into the emergency room. Dr. Lamb was a soft-spoken gentleman. Tall, dark-complexioned, with a youthful face. His voice spoke in warm compassions that filed down sharp emotional edges. The doctor brought in two techs and issued calm orders. The techs scrambled in haste where the doctor's coolness never wavered. We walked Honor into a chest-high stall of metal poles that kept him in place. One of the techs affixed a chain to the top of Honor's halter to keep his head aloft. Once in place, Honor lingered somewhere between standing and hanging, pathetic and silent, exhausted. Honor's normally warm energetic eyes glazed over with indifference. His weakness coated his expression. Honor wasn't giving up. He simply had nothing left to give. The vet pressed his thumb against Honor's pallid gums. Behind the gentle demeanor, the doctor allowed a note of gravity to sneak through his expression.
2: He's lost a significant amount of blood. We still have to run the tests, but he may be in the realm of a transfusion.
0: I shot a quick glance at Missy. She and I both realized the reality at the same time. We both stood silent, she to honor's right side, me by his head, both with arms folded. We had just spent every dime in our account to pay for the wedding. Even the meager cost required to save the throwaway colt's life the first time was more than we could afford to repeat. To save his life a second time would require multiples of his original cost. Do whatever you have to, Doc. Missy dropped her gaze to the growing pool of blood on the floor. The techs raced in and out of the doors at both ends of the emergency room with trays, tables, beeping computer equipment, tools, sponges, towels, and all sorts of medical paraphernalia. They ran an ultrasound on the injury as one tech tended to the wound. A third fixed an IV lead into Honor's neck. Honor made no gestures or reactions to any of the ado rustling around him. His eyes slept while open, looking to a black, unfocused nothingness. His head hung heavier and heavier against the halter, slowly, drop by drop. Honor faded from standing to hanging. I stepped closer to Honor. For a moment his eyes shifted to me as if They were the only movement of which he was capable. The sorrow in his eyes squeezed every selfish feeling I ever had and ripped them apart. His eyes apologized. I watched in confusion as the horse I believed I saved, the horse for whom I envisioned myself a hero, spent his dying moments Apologizing. Apologizing for what he would never be. I crumbled into an insignificant pile of rubbish. I looked to Missy, who still stared at the floor. For a second, I remembered the book by Shel Silverstein, The Giving Tree. After a lifetime of sacrificing and giving to the young boy, All that remained of the once glorious tree was a humble stump. The man, who had enjoyed the tree as a boy, took its lumber piece by piece to build his life. Then the man returned to the tree in his twilight, regretting the years of taking from this dear friend. In the end, the man realizes his foolishness and apologizes. The tree Now a weathered stump with seemingly nothing left to offer his old friend, offers him a place to sit and rest. I loosened the chain and slowly rested Honor's head on my shoulder. The enormous weight ached my back. The weight of Honor. Let it be like this.
2: Unbelievable.
0: I perked up. The doctor spoke frank words as he stood staring at the ultrasound screen with folded arms. Unclasping one hand to point at the screen, he exchanged notes with the tech running the exam. He looked up at the both of us, resolved.
2: It looks like the post didn't puncture the thoracic cavity, no broken ribs, both his lungs are inflating, and there's no air trapped in his chest. His heart is untouched. How he managed that, I have no idea. What we need to deal with, though, is because his ribs gave, it allowed the pectoral muscle to tear from the sternum as well as severing his brachial artery, which is the source of all this arterial bleeding. We're going to have to block and prep the laceration and suture the muscle. We'll suture up the skin as much as we can and leave a drain to allow the wound to flush. Bottom line, he has a chance. He won't be running any races, but he has a chance to live. We'll keep him here overnight for observation and ensure his PCV is high enough, and when it's safe to bring him home, we'll give you a call.
0: Missy walked to my side as Honor rested on my opposite shoulder. She hugged me. Tears anew softly fell. Happy tears. It's a good name
2: for a horse. And by the looks of your shirt, I'm guessing you're the one who named him?
0: No, actually I didn't. I got him at the Jones auction house. Horse number 5752. The doc squinted and turned his head slightly. He spoke just above a whisper. You got this horse
2: at the Jones auction? So you didn't even know his name when you bought him?
0: No. He froze an intense stare at me and glanced away with a confounded smile. Huh.
2: Well, it's a good name.
0: He nodded. I nodded back. The techs continued their bustle to the beat of a different song than the one playing in our ears. A gentle piano played a mellowness in our minds as the tech nodded one painstaking suture after the next a hanging bag of clear fluid flattened out as it dripped its contents into the long-coiled tubing attached to Honor's neck. The smattering of blood on the floor congealed and dried. Honor was alive. I recall nothing of the ride home. The brain shuts down for a diagnostic inventory after something like that. It deletes unnecessary files, catalogs others, and etches in granite a few select images, colors, smells, and sounds that one can never wipe clean. I'll never forget the tone of Missy's voice when she stormed into the bedroom or the broken heart in her expression. I will never forget The long, lifeless flap of skin, saturated with blood, dripping endlessly. I will never forget the silent, choking mist. I will never forget the sorrowful eyes of a horse apologizing as if I would be disappointed. Those eyes, in his moment of struggle, coming back from whatever mental abyss, came back to me. To remind me that I may not be able to lie to a horse, but I may lie to myself. In truth, I only remember one other thing from that day, outside the morning's chaos. Missy walked straight into the house, on the phone with any number of people. I put the truck in park, where it was that morning. I called no one. Instead... I walked the rutted path through the soft sod around the side of the house. The wisps of clouds thinned to the strengthening sunrays as they pierced through pinholes. The scent of upturned earth wafted with every wet step through the yard. As I crossed through the backyard and into the middle paddock, I looked to the far fence line. Ned stood in the back paddock, just behind the fence. His steeled gaze halted me in the middle of the scattered mud. Ned stood tall amid the shadows, beset on either side by thin slivers of sun, as the columns of rays traversed the ground. He neither moved nor showed emotion. A sunbeam dragged across his face, illuminating his wide blaze. The sage stood and stared at me.
2: And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying come and see
0: a shudder crawled over my skin as the horse before me beckoned the sound of the breeze through the oaks diminished to the sound of breath as I walked toward the far corner of the paddock toward a statue horse clouds raced overhead churning the ground alive with alternating light and shadow my heart pounded as I approached a hundred feet away and my pulse strengthened with every step. Halfway I froze. The clouds overhead ripped asunder and a gash of sunlight spilled from the sky to the ground before me. In the same instant the smell of mud washed away with the breeze. A new smell replaced it. One I knew well the kind of smell that pulls dusty memories off the shelf. I could taste the rot of an old penny. Oh, God. The sun lit the ground around me on fire with illumination reflecting off mirrors scattered around the ground. But they weren't mirrors. They were pools of blood. Gallons. The pools painted a ruddy moonscape with vomit-inducing stench. Hoofprints cratered the Oklahoma red mud, marring the surface like earthen abscesses bursting from corrupted ground. Drier spots were stained with dead rust. My knees shivered and gave way. I collapsed on all fours at the edge of the tainted earth. My head pulled against my neck as it hung. Stomach acid bubbled and burped. My mouth salivated out of control. My body wanted to reject everything. Sweat poured out of my forehead as I held the vomit at bay. I threw stupid questions into the cosmos, questions that had no answer, and questions to which I already knew the answer. I was a praying atheist. What did he do to deserve this? What purpose could this possibly serve? When is enough? Why him? Why destroy him? Destroy destroyed me! He doesn't understand! Everything had aligned before this. It inspired faith, fueled a renaissance that no logic could explain or science disprove. From the chaos came order, from shame came healing. Everything, every facet, every nut and bolt, every word, lesson, and chained event wove together in some complex automaton so intricate we couldn't fathom its creation or design. But before me, cast upon the ground, blood of that story soaked the ground in a murder scene where the real victim is hope. I saved nothing. It meant nothing. I listened for the voices of my men, the ones who ridiculed me for failing and reminded me of my broken promises. Silence. Ned hovered over the fence, alive and concerned. I stood and stepped my way through the blood plain. I tiptoed through drier spots toward him. He hadn't budged the entire time. That's when I noticed. Ned stood adjacent to a drooping portion of fence wire, where the droop centered on an iron T-post. The post tops were painted white, this one wasn't. Thrusting coldly up from the earth, the rigid iron spear offered no apologies for its cruel bluntness. It brandished a waxy coat of blood. Dried streaks streamed down the length of the post and clotted against the ground. The wire fence caved under the massive weight of a horse where this bladeless pike refused to yield. 12 inches separated the fence wire from the top of the post. One foot of ruthless, murderous iron buried itself in the chest of a miracle. My miracle. Millie, who's never had a bad day in her life, came scampering out from the back door to greet me. I heard the jingle of her collar and twisted toward her. Her stubby little legs zoomed her out. But then she jarred to a frightened halt as she reached the smell. Her nose perked, wiggling and interrogating. She cowered, refusing to come any closer. Her movements were now cautious and tender. She was sorrowful. I navigated back across the Red Flood and crouched down atop her. I massaged her ears and held her forehead against mine, as her uneasiness continued. Ah, uh, I know Mildred Greymane, me neither, I don't understand either. We often say, had I but known, in some form or another. If we had just known the rest of it, and how it would turn out, we could be okay with it all. I won't say it. Not for this. Not for what was to come. One can only bleed so much. Multitudes are
2: marching to the big kettle Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the
0: whirlwind is in the thorn To be continued